0: i excited, okay, why am I excited? I'm excited because fall is in the air, come on. It was like first cool day and all of a sudden there's pumpkins all over my house, it's what my wife does, decorations out everywhere. She's been waiting, she waits as soon as fall ends to start fall again. Um, but what it means for me, what fall means for me is that football is back. That's what, that's what fall means for me, all right? So come on Jesus, that that means that this last weekend, last weekend um, was my first uh, UGA game of the season going with my sons, going with my dad up there in Athens, go dogs. come on Jesus. it's it's it could be the year, and we say that every year. <laughs> um, uh, la- it follows in there, football's here, which means uh, it was time again for the Falcons to struggle last last Sunday. It wouldn't be September if that wasn't happening, Um, uh, which also means it was football kickoffs, which means it was the first time, maybe in a few months, that some of us have seen John 3.16 on a piece of poster board or a fat dude's stomach in the end zone. And if you're kind of new to the story, let's take a look at John 3.16 in the next verse 17. It says this, For God so loved The world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Come on, I love it. Praise God for his promises. Praise God for that. Even while we were still sinners, God saw us in our place of depravity and loved us so much that he refused to allow us die in our sin forever, but instead sent his son so we could live with him forever. How good is that? And and what I believe is this. What I believe is I started thinking about our next few weeks together is I believe that what God wanted us to do, how God wanted us to begin it, is to take this promise and to pull it all the way back to its heart. What is the heart of John 3, 16? Some of us would boil it down to this. Here it is. Let's put it up again. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. But here's the deal, I think we can even pull it back a little bit more, a little bit more succinct. God so loved the world that he gave. See guys, there's just something about love that produces generosity, isn't there? Come on, think about when you were dating. What are you doing? Like you're dropping Benjamins left and right. You know what I'm saying? Like you're you're spending real money on dinner. This is no Denny's or Arby's. Like you you're you're going to serious places. You're buying eight dollar cards. Come on, no like sheets of paper. Like I want the eight dollar, the big one. where you open it up and it pops up and some music plays that they had to get the copyright for? Like you, like come on. I'm I'm investing in this relationship. Why? Because when you love, you're generous. In fact, you could even say it like this: When you love, you give. When you love, you give. This is why I I, I thought about it after I'd done it. This is why this last um, um, week. I just, I saw my kids, I had a little bit of extra cash in my wallet, and I gave them each 20 bucks. To them, it's, it's bricks of gold. You know what I'm saying? Dropping 20 bucks on somebody. In fact, I felt it when I walked out here, right there. I wanna give you 20 bucks. Come on, come and get it. You can't get this at home. I'm sorry, can't get it online. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm telling you. I, listen, I'm, just, I'm excited about today. All right, I'm excited. But this is what happened. This is, this is why parents take their kids to Disney World. And you're like, I gotta take a, a home loan out to go to this place. I don't even wanna go, but my kids do, right? And There's something that happens that when you love, it unlocks something on the inside of you. This is why I bought my son a car for his 16th birthday. Why? Why? This is why we wanna, we wanna give the people we love the most that we can. Regardless of what we have, we wanna give them the most. Why? Because there's something about love that unlocks generosity. When you love, you give. When you love, you give. And this is what I love about God, is that we have a generous God. And God doesn't just give us the chump change, God loves us extravagantly. Come on, that God didn't give us the leftovers, God didn't give us the goodwill bag. Come on, you know, when you're feeling generous, you're like, God, I'm I'm gonna do a good deed today. I'm gonna go through my closet, find the things I haven't worn in 20 years and give them to somebody because I really don't want to throw it away. But this is my generosity today. And God's like, really? That's generosity? You were just cleaning your closet, right? God doesn't do that to us. God gives us the best. God gives us the new stuff off the rack with the price tag still on it that we were gonna wear tomorrow. Like God gives the best to us. Come on, think about how generous of a God we have. That God said, let there be light, that he made the heavens and he made the earth. He gave us sunrises to start the day and sunsets to close the day. He gave us ocean waves to soothe our soul and the birds and the air up above us and the sand between our toes, God gave us the the, the sound of a child's laughter and the smell of freshly cut grass on a lazy Saturday afternoon. He put food on our tables and a pillow underneath our head. He gave us a family to call our own. God's extravagant generosity through Jesus Christ has separated our sins from us as far as the East is from the West, that God remembers our sins no more that we have been justified, meaning I am just as if I had never sinned, that he's restored me to right relationship with the Father. I've been sanctified, which means I've been made a holy in God's sight, that he sees me with the righteousness of Christ. I've been a Adopted that I am a spiritual orphan no longer, that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, the Holy Spirit of the living God that hovered on the waters at creation lives on the inside of me, that God has given me the gifts of the Spirit to do the same works that Jesus did. He's producing the fruit of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness faithfulness, self-control on the inside of me, that Jesus gives me a peace, and a hope and a joy that this world cannot offer. And when I close my eyes here, life really begins and I will live with him forever and ever and ever. World without end. World without end. Joy without end. Peace without end. Life without end. You better believe our God is generous. God's not giving you the leftovers. God is extravagant in his generosity. The gospel, the story of Jesus, the good news of Jesus is the greatest expression of generosity to ever be told. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. The gospel of Jesus is all about Jesus giving up his status to take on our status so we could have his status. It's this great exchange, and we didn't earn any of it, but God gives it freely. We are saved by grace through faith, not because you earned it, but because we have a generous God. And listen, when you love, you give. You give. And guys, we have to understand that, and we have to grab a hold of that, and we have to embrace that, because what we're doing here over the next few weeks, we're launching in to talking about money, bacon, biscuits, cheddar, <laughs> bread. Money, money, money. <laughs> and this is so important for us, why? because some of you were tracking with me really hard <laughs> until about 10 seconds ago. <laughs> when I said money, you're like, oh, oh, you grabbing your wallet, ladies clutching their pearls, huh? What's next, we gonna talk about politics in church? Can't talk about money? Come on, here we go again, Eunice. Just another church after my money. Let's go for the, ushers, lock the doors, Hamilton Mill. Midtown, lock the doors. So here's the deal, guys. Talking about money bothers some of us because it starts revealing the heart. Come on, let me push on you for a second, okay? The only people who get upset when we talk about adultery are adulterers. And the only people who get upset when we talk about money are greedy people. Oh, the church just wants my money. No, you just want your money. <laughs> that's, that's the problem. And we're greedy. We're self centered. We turned inward. And people get upset and they call it religious and they call it manipulative. Why? Because the heart is beginning to be revealed. Listen, I believe that God cares how we handle money. I believe that God wants to set us free from the love of money. I believe that God wants to help us get out of debt. Come on, Jesus. I believe that God wants to increase us financially in the right way, and I believe that God wants to help us to be a generous person. Why? Because I believe that you were made for something great. I don't believe we're called to live our whole life inward and cold and, and us for and no more and being a, a, a reservoir instead of a river, right? I believe that you were made for something great. I believe that God put his image in you. I believe that you were made in the Imago day. that God put his gifts, his talents and abilities, his dreams, his passions on the inside of you. And one of the greatest things in the world is getting what God put in you, out of you for his glory in the world around you. And what I believe that victory's charge in this next season is to partner with the work of God in your life to see God's greatness get emancipated and explode out of your life but listen one of the things that is going to damn up the work of God in our lives will be money why because money is the number one competitor for God in our lives right? Because God's calling us to step out of the boat. God's calling you to start the business. God's calling you to write the book. God's calling you to be a leader here in the church. God's calling you to be a leader at work. God's calling you to be a missionary overseas. God's calling you uh, to start the business down the street, to mentor the person over there. God's calling you to finally put a ring on it. God's calling you to start a family. But listen, too many of us are saying no when God says to go, because we don't know how to handle the dough, because we're in crazy debt. Come on, house debt, car debt, school debt, credit card debt, boat debt, motorcycle debt. Come on, football tickets debt. Whatever, whatever. Come on, and it stresses our relationships. It stresses our soul, right? We're working two jobs to pay for stuff we bought two years ago. So we can't focus on what's important today. And too many of us are in love with our level of living. So we refuse to give up a job that pays more, that's killing our soul, for a job that might pay less, that might actually be a path of purpose. And if we're ever going to step in this life and life to the fullest, life more abundantly, that God has for us, we've gotta, we've gotta start getting our arms around this idea of money. We gotta get God's mind on money. Why, because God thinks differently about money than we do. I mean, come on, think about it. This is the God who said that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. This is the God who said, store for yourself treasures in heaven. This is the God who says that if you're faithful with little, I can give you more. This is the God who said that the borrower is servant to the lender. This is the God who goes against all rational thinking and says that if you give him 10%, he'll bless the 90% and it will actually equal more than the 100%. In one book of the Bible, King David gives billions in offerings. You fast forward, and Jesus finds a widow giving 10 cents, and he said that she gave more than everybody else. Come on, God thinks differently about money than we do, and we got to get God's mind on money because while the trap of money is it's greed and debt and destruction, there's so much potential locked up in money because we see the good that people, the Christians, Christ followers have done with money throughout the years and building churches and building orphanages and digging wells and building hospitals and and going into prisons and transforming urban centers and and changing communities and loving the world around us. There's so much good locked up in what we could do with money. And at the end of the day, this is why Jesus talks about money pretty much more than everything else. It's that important. In fact, the, the great preacher, Charles Spurgeon, here's what he said, he said, with some Christians, the last part of their nature that ever gets sanctified is their pockets. <laughs> you know that's true. Hey, come on somebody, it's one thing to say a prayer. It's another thing to open up your wallet, right? The, the great reformer, Martin Luther, here's what he said. He said, there are three conversions necessary, the conversion of the heart, the conversion of the mind, and the conversion of the purse. And that's not just for the ladies, that's just how they talk back in then, as for all of us. See, our heart gets transformed when we enter into salvation through Jesus Christ. Our mind gets transformed when we gaze on God's truth and the scriptures and the way we think about and handles money gets transformed by remembering how generous God has been towards us. I'll say it like this. Generosity will begin to happen in us when our hearts trust God's generosity towards us. It got really quiet in here. Did it get quiet in Midtown? Because now I'm talking about money again. (laughs) Okay, it did. All right, thanks, Pastor Mo. Yeah. We will begin being generous towards God when we actually understand that God has already been generous towards us. And sometimes, We just have to remember how generous he's been to us. In Luke seven, Jesus has already um, healed the servant of a Roman soldier. He raised a widow's dead son back to life. He's confronted the religious leaders of the time. And we catch up here in verse 36. One of the Pharisees, who he had probably just rebuked, asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat and when a certain immoral woman from that city heard that he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet. And she wiped them off with her hair. And then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. Time out. There is a lot going on right now. There's, a lot, there's so much going on here. I don't know if you can picture the scene, all right, that this religious leader has invited, and his name was Simon, we find out in the story. Simon invited Jesus over for dinner. Why? We don't know. Was it to interrogate Jesus? Was it to to tell him how wrong he was? We don't know, but what we do find is the theme all throughout the scriptures is that Jesus loves free dinner. (laughs) And so Jesus agrees, and he goes over to Simon's house. And this is not an American setting, high table, high back chairs. This is Middle Eastern setting, knee high table, uh, surrounded with cushions, And what people would do at that time is they'd literally lay on their side on one arm with their feet behind them and they would stretch out and just have a a, a communal meal. They would tear off some bread, dip it in the different um, pieces that are around. This is the setting, all men, long meal, long conversation, long day. Just ready, just just to kind of put it in. But they're having this theological conversation. And then this woman quietly makes her way in, doesn't say a word. And in their mind, what they, see, they just look over like, what are you doing? You're not allowed to be here. And she comes in and she sits at Jesus's feet and she starts crying to make it more awkward. You ever been in the room when everybody's just talking and then you start crying? <laughs> and everybody's like, what, what are you doing? And then she, oh, 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 and it's heaving, snotting. And then she lowers her hair. The horror. Okay, culturally speaking, this was Forbidden because it was actually grounds for divorce for a woman to lower her hair in the presence of a man that she wasn't married to, right? It's, it, it's, it, this, is, this, is, this is what's going on here. It's, it's, Luke's, Luke's description of this woman is loaded. Come on, what, what does it say about her? A certain immoral woman from the city. And here's the deal, it doesn't say her name, it doesn't say what her sin was, but it implies it. Right, there, there's sexual sin just kind of bathing this whole story, right? And so the, 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 everybody knew about this woman. Uh, the commentators have said she might've been like the town prostitute. She moves from man to man to man, um, that maybe she was at the very least having an affair with a married man and everybody knew it, everybody knew it. And then this woman comes into the room, but here's the deal, guys, I wanna say, just just pause real quick, okay. I think it's really intentional that Luke doesn't tell us her name or her sin. Luke's a smart guy, he's a doctor. Why doesn't Luke tell us her name or her sin? Because I think Luke is saying, this is all of us. This is all of us, we're all this person. And she lowers her hair. She starts wiping Jesus' feet with her hair. And then she cracks open this bottle of ridiculously expensive perfume and just begins pouring it on his feet. And the room is losing its mind like social media is on fire, (laughs) hashtags abound. I found this picture, right? This is a very European picture, it's hilarious. Okay, by the way, just, just this is like man, just mansplaining, like written all over this. See the woman, like on the left, you see her like down there, Jesus is like, peace, deuces, I'm Jesus, like what's up? <laughs> um, this dude in the green is like, hey Jesus, move on, I wanna see what's happening. Like, this first dude in the red is like, uh-uh, I don't think, is she really, is she really? And this other dude in the red is like, hey, Billy, you see this over here? And Billy's like, oh, Jesus, 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 <laughs> Jesus, get us out of this. This is so awkward. Jesus, Jesus. And it's, a, it's, it's hilarious, but you get the picture, right? Like nobody is happy about this except for Jesus. Jesus is soaking it up. Because go there with me for a second. This woman hadn't actually planned to enter Simon's house that day. You know, she wasn't allowed in the church because everybody knew what she had done. And so she said, I know what I'll do. I'll just wait outside so maybe I can just take my perfume and put a little bit on his feet as a way of showing penance and just honor him with just a little bit. Because they know what she had done, but she knew too. So she went outside and she held on to her perfume, just waiting to see if Jesus would come out. Because she's heard about Jesus. This is the guy who loves the unlovable. This is the guy who touches the untouchable. And maybe, maybe God has a little bit of love left for me too. So she grabs her only prized possession. It's perfume, it's all she had. She so says, maybe I'll just put a little bit on his feet. I don't know what to do. It's gonna be so awkward. But, but then she gets there and the gate's open. So she just thinks, maybe, I don't know. I, don't, I shouldn't do this but they're already talking about me, It can't get worse, I'm just gonna go in. So she ducks her head, she starts following the voices. And she arrives in this room with a dozen Pharisees gathered around the table. And in the middle of them is Jesus. And the closer she gets to Jesus, the more she is consumed with how bad she is, but how good he is. And with every step, it's like the warmth of the sun radiating towards her. She walked in cold, she walked in icy, but she's starting to melt. and she gets right up on him she crumbles as cuz everything she's ever done is starting to come back and everything that's ever been done to her is starting to come back and their eyes pierce her And what they're all saying with their eyes is, I know what you've done. But she's like, you don't think I know what I've done? I know it better than you do. She begins to cry because she can't run from her sins any longer. Her sins are ever before her. Every time she closes her eyes, her sins are right there. And the tears start I don't stop. She wasn't planning on crying. <laughs> she had no intention of crying that day. But it's all starting to come back. See, Martin Luther, the great reformer in German, he was a German theologian. He calls it Herzwasser, which means heart water. Literally, what it is, is her heart. She doesn't even know how to say it all. All she's saying is, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm just so sorry. I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. It's just right there, she sees it all. It's all playing again in front of her eyes. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And her heart, that's, it's just coming out of her eyes. It's heart water. It's the greatest prayer that's ever been prayed. See, listen, guys, some of us have never even shed one tear for our sins. And this woman cries enough to wash Jesus's feet. It's brokenness. It's repentance. And all of her pain and all of her sorrow and all of her love is being poured on Jesus's feet. And she doesn't know what to do. She wasn't, she wasn't planning on this, this moment of crying. So she didn't bring a towel. Like Jesus's feet shouldn't have been dirty to begin with. How did, it, how did, the, how did the host not wash Jesus's feet? What, what sort of disrespect is this? And all of a sudden her tears are pouring out on Jesus's feet. She doesn't have a towel. All she knows how to do is lower her hair. and the symbol of her beauty becomes a towel for worship. She just wipes the dirt off his feet. It's proskuneo. It's the Greek word for worship. Literally means to kiss the feet. To bow down in reverence. She starts kissing his feet. She takes her bottle of perfume. Later story of someone else anointing Jesus' head with the same perfume, says that this perfume was so extravagant, so, so expensive it was worth a year's wages. Most people think it was actually her inheritance or her dowry for marriage. whereas before she was just going to sprinkle a little bit on Jesus' feet in honor. Now she pours it in love. And the room explodes with fragrance. You smell it. How much do you get paid in a year? She just poured it on Jesus' feet. Fragrance fills the room. It's the fragrance fit for a king, it's extravagant. And she won't let go scripture just says she keeps kissing, pouring, kissing, pouring, kissing, pouring, kissing kissing his feet, pouring, until there's nothing left. She won't let go. It's like with every kiss, the forgiveness washes over. She reciprocates and pours the perfume out forgiveness, poured out forgiveness, poured out forgiveness, pour my life out on your feet, Jesus. And Jesus is receiving every second of it. But Simon is hating every second of it. and he stands back and he's judging the whole thing. In verse 39, it says, when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, if this man were really a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Time out. The fact that Jesus can see your thoughts should sober us very quickly. Because you can put on all this, but he still sees this. And Jesus leans into the moment. See, here's the mistake that Simon made. Simon made the mistake of dividing everybody up into two camps. We've got the holy people and the unholy people. And see, here's the deal, Jesus, Jesus. I'm the holy person, and that person at your feet, she's the unholy person. See, here's here's actually the real problem. It wasn't that Simon divided everybody up into two camps. It was that he put himself in the wrong camp. (laughs) See, there is a holy camp and an unholy camp. But the only person in the holy camp is Jesus. And everybody else is in the unholy camp. Everybody else is the screw-ups, is the false shorts. It's the I said I would never do it again, but I did it again. And it's not that I did it again. I did it a thousand more times. See, here's the problem with religious people. Religious people can see everybody else's sins except for their own. See, they're pointing out the splinter in everybody else's eye when they got a two by four in their own. <laughs> and Jesus starts talking to Simon. He says, "Simon, this woman is actually doing what you should be doing right now." Proskuneo, bowing down in reverence, kissing my feet. Jesus continues on. He says, "Simon, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher." A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither one of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Pause again. Ding, 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 Simon, you're really good at math. Good job. What Jesus is saying is this. He says, Simon, you wanna know the real problem of what just happened? He says, as I was telling the story, you immediately thought that you were the one who only owed 50. And you thought that she owed 500. You missed the whole point. And that, is why she loves me more than you do. Oh, you don't believe me, Simon? Then he turned to him, he turned to the woman and he said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair you didn't greet me with a kiss but from the time I first came in she's not stopped kissing my feet you neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you her sins and they are many have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, woman, your sins are forgiven. Amen. Your sins are forgiven. And what Jesus is saying is this, Simon, I, I, how I know that you don't think very much about me, the way that I know that you don't think that you've been forgiven much is because you haven't stopped disrespecting me since the moment that I walked in this house. Said it's customary. It's, it's you do it for the lowest rank of people that when they come into your home as a guest, you have somebody wash their feet. But you didn't have anybody wash my feet. But she washed them with her tears. You didn't even give me a kiss on the cheek as a welcome into your home, but she hasn't stopped kissing my feet. You didn't even give me a little bit of olive oil to freshen up my hair after a long day, but she just poured her life savings on my feet. What he's saying is this, Simon, God is in your house today, but I'm not welcome. Treating me like I'm common. Why? Because you don't think you've been forgiven very much. But Simon, here's the reality. You've been forgiven 500. And you can't pay it back. Nobody can. But you think you've only been forgiven 50. So you treat me like 50 she treats me like 500 because she knows the depth of the depravity that she's come from. This woman knows that she has sinned so much that her gratitude is overflowing. Simon, if you could just step back to see the generosity of God, you would be just as thankful as she is. Because those who have been forgiven much love much. And Jesus says the greatest sinners are always the greatest worshipers. <laughs> Come on, next time in worship. (laughs) You look around the room. Who's losing their mind? Those who have been forgiven much love much. And, guys, I think that's the problem. Come on, I think that's the problem. When the worship team begins playing, when the music goes forward, we stick our hands in our pockets and we just kinda let the time pass until the sermon gets preached. Because we don't think we've been forgiven for very much. We're like Simon, Jesus, yes, I needed you at first, but I kinda got my life together now. So I don't worship the way that I used to. I don't need you the way that I used to. So I don't love you the way that I used to because I kind of got my life together right now. And we've forgotten that every single day we owe 500. And what Jesus says to Simon, I believe he's saying it to all of us. All of us today, he says, learn from this prostitute. Today, she's your teacher. Today, you have nothing to offer her. You need to learn from her. And he says, Simon, she's a worshiper, you're not. She repents, you don't. She serves, you won't. She's generous, you're not. You need to learn from her. She's gonna teach you how to worship. She's gonna teach you how to serve. She's gonna teach you how to love. She's gonna teach you how to be generous. Because those who have been forgiven much, love much. Because when you love, you give. When you love, you give. If we could take a step back and see how generous God has been in our lives, where would we be without Jesus? Where would we be without Jesus? What is it about us that God is the giver of every good gift, and then when we get the gift, we get greedy? It's like you giving stuff to your toddler and then when you give it to him, he's like, no, mine, mine, mine. You're like, I just gave that to you. You wouldn't have anything without me, mine. And you're like, I wanna give you more, but I can't because it's already consumed you what I've already given you. If we would just take a step back and see that the cattle on a thousand hills belongs to God. That all of, all wealth, all riches, all knowledge, all power, all goodness, all glory is God's. That everything we have, we've been given. That we couldn't help to crack open our life to pour it back out on his feet. Guys, this is about money, but it's bigger than money. So much bigger than money. So much bigger than money. But I'll tell you, money's a tell. Money's a sign. See, guys, this isn't, you should be generous. You should give. Because shoulds don't touch the heart. But love does. And if God's generosity has melted your icy heart, then everything else will follow. Me opening my wallet, me opening my bank account, me opening my time, me opening my family, me opening my home, me opening my personality, me opening my future, me opening my life to the world around me. It's reciprocity, it's, it's returning it's, I love because I've been loved. And because I've been given to, I give. 1994 is when I got born again in Panama City Beach, Florida, as a youth retreat. Told the story many times. But this last week, I went there again. And I remember that moment of saying yes to Jesus. I remember that moment when it clicked. You know what I'm talking about? Like you've heard the stories before, like you've heard it before, but there's this moment where it's like, I get it. Holy Spirit, turn the light on. And I I remember after that moment of being saved by grace through faith, I remember they just kind of dismissed for the night and I went out on the beach for the first time, sat there like right on the dune and the breeze was blowing in off the ocean. And I remember sitting there. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know what to say. All I was saying was, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And when I go back to God's generosity, when sometimes we need to remember our first love, when I go back to God's generosity in that moment, and his generosity sense. I can't help but to get on my knees again and to pour out everything I have on his feet because he's worthy of it all and more and more. And I give, because God has been generous to me. And I want the world to know this generous God too. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pause, let's let's take a moment here in prayer in Hamilton Mill, Midtown, online, wherever you find yourself today, Let's, let's bow our heads. First off, everybody can calm down. We're not going to take up an offering. (laughs) Some of you are like, I'm waiting for it. God, what we do right now is we pause. We pause. And we remember your great generosity towards us. where would we be if it wasn't for Jesus? Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you wept over your sins? When was the last time this heart water came out? When was the last time to open the jar of your life, and you poured yourself back on this generous God. Because those who have been forgiven much, love much. What I want us to do, I want us to have an opportunity here in just a minute to pour it back on Jesus. But before we do that, I, 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 I'm sensitive to this. I feel like the Lord is saying, there are many who have minimized our sins and what we've done. And so we've neglected and forsaken the love of God and felt like we didn't need Jesus. I'm telling you the payment for our sins is death Eternal, but the good news is that God so loved the world that he gave. He gave us his best. He gave us extravagantly. He gave us his son. said, so whoever believes in him will never perish, but have everlasting life. And if that's you today, I want you to pray with me. If you today you said, I need Jesus. I'm learning I've been, I, I've been like that Simon guy. I've had his mind, but I've really had the life of this woman. I want you to pray with me. Won't you pray like this? Say, Jesus, I'm so sorry. I've minimized what I've done broken your heart, again and again. And the closer I've gotten to you today, I've realized how bad I am, how good you are. So right now, I repent of my sin, the way I was going. I turn to go your way. You're the son of God. You died for my sin. you took up my wrongs, you carried it on the cross. you paid it in full. you rose again on the third day, and because of that, I am forgiven. Come on, say it like you mean it. I am forgiven. I am forgiven. I am forgiven. I am forgiven. I am clean. I am free. I am loved, I'm adopted, God is my father, I am pure, I am holy because of Jesus. Thank you, let's lift our hands up to the Lord. Thank you, God, that's what this is. It's thank you, God, thank you, God, for your generosity. Come on, say it, thank you, God, for your generosity. Hamilton Mill, shout it out, Midtown, thank you, God, for your generosity. Thank you, God, for your extravagant gifts of love towards someone like me. Who am I that I should be loved by God? Who am I that Jesus should bleed for me? Who am I that the Holy Spirit should inhabit these bones? Who am I? Yet he smiles when he thinks about us. Who am I? Yet his thoughts towards us are more numerous than the sand on the seashore. Who am I? Who are we, God? We are just dust here one moment and gone the next. Yet you bled for us and died for us and rose for us and prayed for us and are coming back for us. We say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Here's what we're gonna do across all the campuses. We're gonna have a moment. We're gonna have a moment just to say thank you, just to say thank you. I invite you, take the posture that you need to. Take the posture of this woman. Some of you just need to kneel down in your seat. Some of you just need to just lift your hands. Some of you need to come down to the front, if you're able, wherever you are. Take this posture, proskuneo, kissing the feet of bowing down, of worship, of saying thank you. And whatever it looks like to you, crack open your jar of perfume, track open your life and pour it out on his feet. Come on, worship teams, let's lead us in the worship of the one true God who's been so generous to us.